And welcome back to the Livingston Parish News Weekly Show. My name is McHugh David, publisher and editor of the news. Got a new guest in, somebody I haven't <laughs> had on the show yet before. Uh, Mayor Gerard Landry here from Denver Springs. Thank you, sir, for taking the time this morning. Good morning. Glad to be here. Yeah, we're glad to have you. Uh, lots going on in Denham. We're looking to maybe try to make this a regular thing. Uh, we want to uh, to give people an idea of what the show is going to be like. We're kind of going to talk about uh, some of that wintry weather we had last week, some of the things that the city of Denham has done, and, and, and maybe how that's made something uh, like a bond issuance, which we will talk about a little more important. Then we're going to talk about the rainy season. It's time. And we're going to talk about some things that you and I have discussed in the past. We've done a couple of stories on it. And then we're going to kind of pull 2020 forward to sort of end this first show. So first and foremost, uh, you know, at, as you and I have discussed and as was shown on Facebook at the beginning of your last council meeting, uh, you brought everybody up, all of your department heads in front of, you know, the crowd and the council and asked for a round of applause because they were working diligently throughout this. You even uh, gave a story about uh, a house fire where just about every department was involved. So uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, what these guys are doing during something like when it drops to 28 degrees for several days in a row. Well, thank you. And I appreciate the opportunity to be able to to brag on our, on our city employees because it is a fantastic group of, of, of young men and women. Some of them may be old men or old women, but that's okay. They are fantastic folks and they, they are, their heart is in what they do. And you talk about the event that was... Uh, uh, 9, 10 o'clock uh, on one, the one night of the freeze. Uh, house had a house fire in the attic on Benton Street. Uh, of course, you know, policemen in the fire are the first two to get there to control traffic and actually start fighting the fire. And, uh, and then the gas department has to go out to pull the meters and shut off the gas supply because that's another dangerous situation. So when they finally get it wrapped up somewhere around 2 o'clock in the morning, they go to shut off the, uh, the fire hydrants. And guess what? The fire hydrant breaks. They can't turn the water off. So now, so now you got to get the street department out there to make sure we control water that might be spewing everywhere. And our water department guys go out there to actually shut the water off. Right. Now, it's 20-odd degrees. The water's flowing. But when you shut off a water supply to people's homes, it creates all kinds of issues. And our guys are so concerned about the, the quality of the water that our citizens get and, and the amount of water that they get, they chose to make that repair hot. And what I mean by that is they didn't shut the water off. They may have shut the. They may have turned it back and dialed it back a little bit so that the pressure wasn't as high, but they went in there with the valves and the tools that they needed, made those repairs, and can I tell you, in 20 degree weather, you don't want to be wet, you don't want to be cold, and that's what these guys were. So their dedication to our city is uh, is just is phenomenal, and I wanted to make sure that they got the recognition that they deserved, and they did. We had a uh, you know a standing ovation, if you will, for all of them. Sure. And, and they very much appreciate it when our citizens uh, understand what it is they do. And so. You know, what's, what's interesting is bringing that forward, uh, you know, during a wintry weather event like that, gas becomes very important. You were talking about the gas department. And right now, uh, y'all have, I, I believe it's been introduced at this point. It's a bond issuance for up to $2 million uh, funded by gas revenue. You know? Co correct. So, uh, you know. First and foremost, let's kind of try to break this down as much as we can. You know, it's up to $2 million. Your current bid to do the work is roughly 1.4 after some, some more recent cost increases. What do you all intend to do with the money? Well, the system has been in need of some, some upgrades for a long, long time. It was brought to my attention in 2015 when I took office. But we've had a few other events since 2015 that has kind of pushed us to the back burner. Number one being the flood, obviously, right? Mm -hmm. But it's never left my mind because I understand the seriousness of it when we have extremely cold weather. 
two or three years ago, we had a winter where we got into single digits for a day or two. Obviously, this past week, we got into the uh, into the teens for several days, and that's that's when natural gas is at its premium cost-wise and demand-wise. Right. Okay, so we had to make sure that we do what we can to make sure our citizens are, are safe and make sure our employees are safe. Why do I say safe? Because if the system goes down, you don't have heat in your home. Right. If the system goes down and then we bring it back up, we can't bring it back up until we send a technician to your home to make sure your pilot lights are lit. Because if the pilot light was on, let's just say you were cooking on your stove when the, when the gas went down, and when it comes back up, it's going to come back into your house again. Now you have a potential death threat or a death hazard. Sure. So all of our guys have to be out in, in the field and doing what they have to do to make sure that you know everybody is safe. One of the things that we were really concerned about is a safety issue with the pounds of pressure that we're able to get off the pipeline and distribute it to our citizens in our in our entire area. Most of the or all of the city of Denver Springs is 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 uh, serviced by the Denver Springs uh, uh, Gas Department. We have some outlying areas, and of course, uh, uh, south of here, going down 4H Club Road, we even crossed the river down Old Hammond Highway, mm-hmm. and that was a gas uh, company that was purchased decades ago. Uh, so there's some older equipment out there, some older fixtures that that needed to be upgraded, and so now we have this opportunity with this bond. And so it it it's a system upgrade, and you know one of the the things that precludes y'all from uh, doing it all at once is it's cost prohibitive. That's the necess- necessity for the bond, really. Yes. And so the idea is that, you know, upgrading the system, uh, possibly bringing on some new customer, we'll talk about that in a second, you know, that's going to give you the ability uh, to pay that bond off and pay it off maybe a little quicker. Uh, you know, it's interesting. You and I were discussing that uh, while it is up to $2 million, if you borrow the $2 million, you just turn around and take the extra and put it back against the bond, correct? That is correct. So one of the things I was talking about in terms of uh, extra customers is, you know, you have a new commercial development that's uh, actually coming in right up the road here, you know, with the new Carters and and things of that nature. Um, They'll need gas for some things, I'm sure. Uh, You know, so being able to improve the system now, uh, I would guess that it would also help with capacity issues and that sort of thing. So it's a double-edged thing that we're trying to go after, number one, the safety and security of our of our employees and our citizens. And then secondly, uh, once we're able to make sure that we can supply everybody's needs, it does offer the opportunity for some expansion, if you will. There's a lot of construction going on with new homes. And natural gas is the fuel of choice today because of the cost. Sure. And and so we have to be able to take on some new customers as well. Now, so the focus is dual, right? The mm-hmm. safety and make sure we can supply what we need to do. And we can also bring on new customers. So our, the way our rate structure is really pretty simple. We take all of our cost in one hand and we take all of our revenue in the other hand. And that's what that's we have to have a 25% spread in there to satisfy the bond issue. That's a requirement by federal law. Sure. And then once we've done that, uh, if, uh, if we bring on more customers, then guess what? It, the actual cost per customer actually drops. Right. Uh, and, and we do a great job with the Louisiana Municipal Gas Association, and we prepay a lot of fuel costs up front. We uh, obviously participate in, in their buying group, and uh, and we buy some uh, storage uh, for natural gas, and we, we work on this all year long. So just to give you an idea, the gas cost before the event was in that $3.50 to $4 mm-hmm. foot uh, uh, per foot. As the, when the, when the uh, event was over, it was $26 a foot. 
And it's interesting how that works. A little supply and demand for it's, you. It's strictly su supply and demand. So we were very fortunate because we had prepaid enough, we had stored enough gas to get us up there. Now, we were probably a day or two away from running out of the, the low-cost fuel, but we were very fortunate. It, it worked out just fine for us, and so that's one of our lessons learned. Right. And, and you know, being being ahead of the game with regard to infrastructure is a big deal because you never know when growth will come. That's right. Uh, and, you know, you need to be prepared for it. So... Moving forward a little bit, talking about being prepared, we're hit. We're entering March. You and I are meeting here on the 25th of February. We know with March, the spring rains begin. Something that you and I have talked about, we did a story about it. I believe that was 2019 when we first really started getting the story out. It, it would have been early 2019, uh, was trash and ditch cleaning and that sort of thing. Major effects on the ability to drain the city. So, uh, you know, We'll talk about some of the interesting stories we have here in a second, but want to get uh, sort of your impression on have people done better since we started talking about it, and what could people do better in terms of keeping your ditches clean, keeping your trash picked up, trying to keep those drainage ways clear. Awesome. So before we go into that, I would just want to clarify one point about the bond issue. Sure. If I, you know, so I went back to our experts and our consultants just to make sure of the cost mm -hmm. to the consumer of what it would be on an average. Consumer, uh, uh, residential customer and the average commercial customer. Sure. For natural gas in this new bond issue, what's it going to cost? It's two cents per 100 cubic feet. For the average homeowner, it works out to 51 cents per month. And for the average commercial customer, it's $3.36 per month. Okay. So the, the dollars are not significant. Nobody wants to see any increase. But it's the, the but the increase is so small that any new customers that we bring on board could easily offset that. So sure. we're we're very very proud of that. Okay. So, okay. No 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 no. Uh, I I appreciate you breaking that down for people to a more individual certainly uh, cost provision. There sure. It is. So uh, yeah. So obviously obviously since 2016, you know we're still suffering from what I call post traumatic post traumatic flood syndrome. Right. Sure. Every time we have a rain, we're all concerned about it, and it seems like we've had more of these torrential rains and these downfalls that are just, you know, one in a hundred year or one in 500 year events that happen for two or three hours and boy, the streets just flooded. And, and we've actually had a couple of homes that have flooded just in, just in this last event that we had a few weeks ago. And it's sad to see, but the, 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 the part of that problem is the, is the intensity and the amount that falls in such a short window, because as soon as it's over, the water's gone in just a matter of an hour or two. Mm -hmm. That doesn't help the person that got flooded. No. I totally understand that, and I get it, right? But there are still things that we can continue to do. Obviously, if we can keep the trash out of our yards, mm -hmm. okay? I, I had a guy that, he actually sent me a, a video of his yard, and he was complaining. His yard was pristine. It looked awesome. And all he had was about a you know two-foot square of leaves that came from somewhere that was in his grate that was hampering the water flow in his yard. And that is fairly simple to, to take care of, and that's something that the homeowner has to do. I, we have limited resources from the city, okay? I, I probably have 20, at, at, during the summer months, I probably have 20 employees in the street department. Mm -hmm. Well, they can't go rake everybody's yards. Everybody needs to do their own. Wouldn't it be nice if we had 10,000 citizens in our city, which we do, that could just go spend a few minutes in the yard once a week and just pick up the stuff? Right. You know, if you remember some of the things we spoke about before was I had a guy that we just cleaned all the ditches in a subdivision 
I think it was in Denham Estates. And one of the issues that he had was after this rain, his yard flooded and we found a basketball in his culvert in his driveway. Right. And, and so those kinds, there was one on Lockhart. Now Lockhart's right outside the city, but still we went over there to help out in any way that we could. And it was actually a Christmas tree stand. It was a pyramid looking plastic stand. Sure. And the guy even said, I saw that thing in addition and wondered why it was there. And sure enough, it blocked up his driveway covert, and consequently, he ended up with water in his home. So everybody needs to do their little bit, and boy, it would just go a long way. Sure. And, you know, there there have been lots of interesting stories. You know, you were talking about those leaves blocking up a, a, a drain in someone's front yard. You've also seen a box, you yeah. know, a broken down box. <laughs> so, uh, you know, these torrential rains have the chance to pick a lot of stuff up and take them sure. to places they should not be. So please remember to pick up... Um, Pick up your trash, pick up your leaves, try to keep your area clean as we move into the, the rainy season. And if you see a blockage, let us know because we will do our best, our dead level best to get out here and help you with that, to blow out a culvert under your driveway or, or something to that effect. And of course, we have tremendous cooperation now with Gravity Drainage District 1. Right. And, and they, they dedicate several hours, several man hours every week to whatever we need. Right. And uh, so we are so grateful for their help as well. And, you know, I was actually going to ask you about uh, the joint venture agreement you'll have with, mm-hmm. uh, because, uh, you know, that was a very interesting circumstance because you were part of the Ameet watershed and, and certain others, uh, specifically Grace Creek watershed, but because of laws <laughs> and jurisdictions, right. they could not come work on some of the more major drainage uh, slews and issues inside the city limits of Denver Springs. Now they can do that. Right, and that's something that we fight all the time. There's a piece of property that we're trying to help a, uh, a potential developer resolve between River Road and, and North Woodcrest, okay? And, 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 and initially he was told, well, we can't go there because it's private property. But he, he produced enough documentation and video of, of the next rain event, and we went out there now with a different, a different look because not only will it help him to have this one ditch that he was talking about, it also helps everybody on North Woodcrest and on Cary Street. So now it becomes, it helps, you know, 15 or 20 of our residents. Sure. So a little bit of common sense, go out there and do a little legwork and just keep pushing forward and we can make things happen. Sure. So speaking of the 2016 flood, there have kind of been two uh, major projects here inside the city that have been born of that. One is the demolition of Old City Hall and sort of the erection of this uh, pavilion. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about that in tandem with uh, y'all moved to a new city hall location and recently uh, sort of working with FEMA and making some dominoes fall. uh, They provided y'all with funds for demolishing some of those old city structures and you were able to renovate city hall. So let's start with the pavilion. Many people have probably driven by it. It's by the fire station and the police station have seen that there's, there's a frame up. Things are, things are happening. They really are. It's a, it's a beautiful, it's going to be a beautiful structure. It's all large timbers, 8 by 8s 10 by 10s and it's going to be an open-air structure. It's going to be an event place that people can go and have a, a picnic with their family, a church group or a choir group can go have a fundraiser. There's all kinds of things that can happen on that property. Uh, don't quote me on the exact, it must be 80 by 100 feet. This thing is absolutely huge. Yeah. And so we're very excited about that. I think we were allocated $362,000 out of our FEMA funds right. uh, to make that happen for us. And so, and look, it's right next to the council on aging. It's right across from Freshwater Park. It's right down the street from the uh, Pilot Club uh, Water Park for the ch- for the children. And so, it's it's a it's a great location directly across from uh, the fire department, from the police department. So it's, it's centrally located, and you know, so we're excited about that. So all that became 
a, a product of our going after what was called a in, in FEMA world, mm -hmm. it's called a 428 project, okay? And so we we, we lumped the, the city hall, the old fire chief headquarters, in two buildings that we had at the street department. And they came up with a number, and we all came in agreement that this is worth $3.8 million. Let's okay. just working around numbers, right? Then we said, okay, now what we want to do with that money is we want to look at possibly buying the Capital One Bank building. We need to furnish it. We need to remodel it. We want to buy a fire truck. We want to buy a police car. So we gave them a laundry list of things that we wanted to do, and they approved 99% of it, okay? So now what we're doing is we're actually taking those funds, bought City Hall. We paid $700,000 for it. They won't let you pay for property out of that money, so the, re the, the reimbursement from FEMA was not the full 700000 Gotcha. But now the remodel is 1.5 1. 1. or 1. 1.6 million, and they're funding 90% of that. Sure. Today, they're delivering the last of the furniture, and hopefully on Monday, City Hall is going to be City Hall. Wow. <laughs> yeah. What time? <laughs> we, may not have, we may not have all the signage up and everything else, but City Hall is going to be wide open for the consumer, for our customers, which are our citizens, right. to come in and conduct business on the front end. Uh, we've been on the backside for, for quite some time. The courts have, have been in operation for several months. But now it looks like we've got, uh, it looks like on Monday we should have everybody in place, hopefully all the phone lines working, hopefully all the computer stations working, and be able to service our customers in that one spot. So, I, you know, things moving forward, mm -hmm. you know, from that 2016 flood, and, you know, a big part of, of y'all in, you know, going after that building is it didn't flood in 2016. That is correct. It, it never flooded. It was, you know, it's funny how the, uh, the, our forefathers knew exactly where to build structures, right? Sure. So, well, as my, <laughs> as my forefather said, Mr. Jeff David, and he said, you know, those engineers weren't stupid where they built that rail line and there was a reason for it. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, I have a map in my office. I don't know. You haven't seen it yet, but it came from Mr. I.D. Easterly's house. And I have it framed and it's in my office. And that map is from 1912. It's actually a blueprint of the city, if you will. Okay. And it's interesting to see. It's really just the core of the city, mm -hmm. and that's the high and dry part. Right. And it's uh, so it's, it's good to see. Right. Uh, you know, uh, Melanie likes to say all the time, you know, you read the history of Denver Springs. Well, they flooded, and then they tried it over here, and they flooded, and they tried it over here. And they eventually found that ridge where, that's they, correct. where the core of the city ended up. So. Right. And, and so they just, so this the purchase of this property makes us makes the city the largest property owner. In the, in the historical district, if you will, so then we can kind of control what happens, which is a kind of a good thing, mm -hmm. because I think our ambition is to make it more user-friendly for our citizens, make the antique district more usable for everybody that wants to come down there. You know, we've started the Christmas in the Village events mm -hmm. that we started doing last uh, couple of, well, uh, six years ago now. Right. And those things have been wildly successful. Uh, Alba and I met yesterday trying to, we're trying to see if we can do the Spring Fest Right. You know, that brings seven or 8,000 people. So we're on most of these large events. We're having to kind of defer to the governor. Uh, yeah, I don't have expertise in this. I don't have access to the medical field. I can't tell you how many people in the city actually have COVID. It is, are we up or down? Or, so you know what? It's better off. Just let the governor do it. He's got the expertise. May not agree with him, but, but he does have the, the, the information and the, and the folks that can guide him. Sure. So I, I was actually going to ask, you know, as part of the the next portion of this, what what's the word on Spring Fest? And, you know, right now, obviously, wait and see. Wait and see. So, and, and, and like I told Al well, for all of last year for Spring Fest and Fall Fest and for, the, and for Christmas in the village, just wait and see what the governor's guidelines are going to be. And let's plan on it, but don't expend any money. Don't do anything that you can't get your money back on. Maybe you can get credit for the next event. Mardi Gras is, a, is a, the Mardi Gras crew and the Mardi Gras parade is the same thing. But if you don't plan on it, then I can assure you it won't happen. But at least in your mind, plan on it, and let's see if we can ease that way. 
and then we then there's going to have to be a drop dead date, right? For this for Spring Fest this April, sure. April the first. If we don't have any guidance from April the first, guess what? We're just going to cancel it. Right. And it won't be an April Fool's joke. Exactly. Y'all you know, <laughs> have already had some uh, some meetings about how to enhance the downtown district, you know, and, and there there are thoughts going forward on that. Uh, you know, obviously redoing City Hall was step one. Uh, where do you intend to go from there? Because as you said, you've become the largest landowner as part of the historical district, so that kind of puts you at the, you know, aye, aye, Captain. Uh, so what... Where where to from here? I think there is a revitalization across the country of the downtown historical districts everywhere you go, right? And I think what we have to do is a common sense approach to what makes the most attractive downtown that our people can actually use. Right. Doesn't have to be just a museum. Doesn't have to be just a little quaint little coffee shop. It can be like a microbrewery that just opened up, and he's he's having some fantastic. Uh, uh, sales uh, at the microbrewery. That's the old all change place across the track. Sure. And uh, and uh, 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 New Covenant has started. They've done a facelift on on their church facility over there. Uh, the farmers market is one of the things I'd love to see. Is let's bring the farmers market. Let's put it in City Hall parking lot. Mm -hmm. And that would be something going forward that would help all the retailers downtown and brings everybody into the heart of the town, into the downtown area. Sure. And 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 focus on the on the good things that we can do there. Right. So those uh, landscape uh, uh, LSU third year architect landscape architecture students came out and did a study for us, right. and they drew all this out for us. Okay, so we kind of have a roadmap and we kind of have a plan on all the things that could happen, and uh, you know we just have to. It takes time and patience, unfortunately. Right. Sure. Uh, you know I've, I, I I don't have a whole lot of patience, but but I'm learning I'm learning to kind of say okay. <laughs> right. I, maybe we got to wait a few years to I, do this. It, and it's uh, yeah, it's unfortunate, but that's the system that we have. Well, you you always got to find the money, right? Well, it's always about the money, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, here's a good example that came up just this morning because in talking to, uh, you know, I sit on the MPO. I'm on the uh, uh, Metropolitan uh, Planning Organization. Uh, yeah, yeah, MPO and the, the Capital Region Planning. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm on the Executive Board of Directors. A, ch a vice chair of the technical advisory committee and, and all these things that we do for road construction. Right. But it's also an access to DOTD and funds that we can utilize for other projects like a bike pet plan. Sure. Now, you know, we got a grant for $50,000 and we did a study along with the city of Baker. We were the only two that did so. And we have a, a plan that has been done by Grisham that is an engineering firm. Now Grisham, just yesterday we approved it. They're going to do a bicycle pet plan for East Batteries Parish, West Batteries Parish, Ascension Parish, Livingston Parish, so we can try to connect all these parishes together with a bike ped plan. Now, what does that do for us? Funding. <laughs> if, yeah, they, right. if they could get it done parish-wide, then Walker gets one. We already have ours, and they can tie all this together. But it's sure. all about funding. Will I see it in my lifetime? I don't know. Right. I would like to. Right. <laughs> you know, even if I have to take my little... Uh, a mobility cart <laughs> in 20 years, but at least I have a road I could go down or a bike path or, you know, a walking path that I can utilize, right? Sure. And a lot of that was done pre-COVID. And one of the things uh, that was definitely pushed by, uh, you know, a, a former employee, Jeanette Clark, and, along and, with and, yourself was, if you don't have a plan to hand to DOTD or hand to your legislatures or hand to a grant department, they're not going to give you funding. That's exactly right. So you have to have the plan, which means you have to have engineers, which means you have to pay for it. Right. Right. So we talk about those kinds of things. For example, one of the things that we need desperately for traffic here is I have to do something with Bass Pro Boulevard. I'm sick and tired of seeing all the traffic backed up at Bass Pro and Range, right? Because it's the truck traffic that comes out of the thing. Okay. Sure. So right now I have a 
about a million dollar investment. Now, this the million dollars is going to be spread out over the next 10 years because the MPO now, instead of going to four years, we change it to go out to 10 years so that we can get a better vehicle for us to plan and spread out our, our needs. I got you. Okay. So, so that project right now is going to be about a $2 million project. Of course, guess what I have to pay? All the engineering up front, I have to pay for the 20% match. Right. Because I was able to get Bass Pro Boulevard into the MPO. It wasn't originally. Right. But it is now. Okay. And with that thought in mind, well, now we can move forward. And what the hope is, is to build a roundabout closer to Bass Pro. So the trucks come out of the Bass, come out of the, uh, uh, the fueling stop there. Mm-hmm. They have to turn right go all the way down to the roundabout, come back around, and then they can make a left turn on range. Right. And it surely should uh, eliminate some of the issues that we have there. Right. Because once they pull out and make a left turn, if they get stuck, they're everything, stuck. Everything, everything stops. Right. I've got about $4 million in the, and I'm going to call it the Cook Road Extension or the Demco Road. Right. So it's going to run from Pizza Highway to range. Right. And that's, that's $3.9 million, I think, is the estimate. And I got about another million dollars in, uh, in uh, engineering cost. But I've got that spread out over the next several I'll say four or five years. Right. So that, you know, and it's interesting with Cook Road Extension because that, that's been sort of a 10-year project in the making. And But, you know, finding a way to attach yourself on the other side to run it straight through uh, should open up a new commercial corridor, really. Well, exactly. So that would, that would obviously be an economic boom for the city of Denver Springs to have more retail that we can, that we can uh, put in that location. <clears throat> uh, the other thing is the... Uh, uh, another, the road projects are endless because, sure. you know, I wish it was like a field of dreams. I wish we could build it first and then it come, but that's not DOTD. Right. That's, that's just not the way it works. But I was on a zoom meeting just this week. And what we're working on is the 2046 plan, right? 20, move, move 2046, move 2046. So that's when you start to work in all these plans and these ideas. Okay. And, and try to make something happen. If you don't plan on it now, I can assure you, it will never happen. You heard me say that earlier, right? Right. What happened at LSU with the, the, the dock that's right across from... Uh, uh, the water campus? The water campus, right? That's, that was 25 years ago they planned that. Right. And if we don't, I'll say, we don't, if we don't plant the seed now, uh, the, one of the other things I brought up yesterday, and I, boy, I got some phone calls about it afterwards, why don't we plan on a, uh, a metropolitan-type uh, infrastructure that we could use for mass transit? Mm-hmm. Okay, it's not going to be a subway because we can't do a subway here because of the water table. Right. Okay, right. but maybe we could have an overhead tram. Maybe we could have an, an enhanced uh, bus system. You can remember probably from your parents or, or, or older brothers and sisters used to take a city bus or I'm sorry, they used to take a bus to LSU or they used to take a bus to Southeastern. Why can't we reinstitute that again? Sure. Uh, and and there, there's another one. It's kind of a comical term, but who's getting ready to take over Cortana Mall? Amazon. Amazon. It's going to be a thousand jobs there. Why don't why does why does the cats you know the capillary transit system? Why don't you put together a bus that's called the Amazon Express? Sure. And it comes from Baker to there. It comes from Denver Springs to there, so that folks can just take a bus. They're going to have three shifts, I'm sure. Yeah. And so you can get the the ridership that you need. And then what happens after that? Maybe more people will start using that system. Right. Well, you know, uh, maybe if it, you put the ideas in place, uh, kind of like you had with Cook Road going all the way to Range Avenue. <laughs> And, and maybe some people will jump on it. So we'll be talking about more of those details as awesome. we move forward. Uh, anything from 2020, we got about two minutes left, uh, that you want to sort of bring forward and talk to people. 2020, kind of a weird year, kind of a lost year. I know that for the city council meetings, you kind of try to keep them brief, try to keep the big stuff off the agenda until you could start having in-person meetings again. Uh, you know, anything that you want to discuss bringing forward from 2020? 
2020 has been a year that we possibly would love to forget. Right. <laughs> okay. But we can't. It's going to be a part of our fabric for, for generations to come. Uh, but I think we all learned a lot of a lot of things about our families, about the core values of what we are supposed to be doing, which is to watch out for yourself, watch out for your neighbor, watch out for your grandma and grandpa. Right. Right. And, and so I think that kind of brought everybody back together again. It's kind of like after 9-11, right? Everybody said, oh, my gosh, and, you, and it kind of got closer again, then you kind of get apart. And so I think that's the kind of a, 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 a feel-good and possibly a positive thing for all of us going forward. Right. You see more people bought campers, right? Mm -hmm. If our sales taxes are through the roof because people buying cars, campers, motorcycles, and RVs, right? Sure. So maybe they're going to continue to do that. And Walmart and Home Depot and Sam's <laughs> and Bass Pro all stayed pretty packed during Well, of course. Time. Well, of course. And now everybody's doing home projects. Right. right. Maybe, maybe that's not a bad thing. Maybe not. You know, I mean, one of the things we didn't think about right after the COVID started was going to be the increase in the tonnage of waste because right. everybody was cleaning out their attics and their garages and doing all these kinds of things that they probably hadn't done since the flood. Right. And not going uh, out to eat as much, generating more lunch and dinner trash at that, home. That's exactly right. So there's there's lessons learned. And, uh, you know, I think we're I think the city of Darren Springs is heading on the right path. You, if you remember, we did something with with Jason Populous. He's our new emergency operations mm -hmm. coordinator done a fabulous job. He was active again during this whole event. So it's just a matter of the reason you put those things in place for the future is that it doesn't matter who the council is. It doesn't matter who the mayor is. Those kinds of things are going to continue to work. It's going to flow like it's supposed to during the next event. Well, sir, oh, sorry, oh. sorry, sorry. You're good. <laughs> I want to uh, thank you for taking the time to join us here. We appreciate, appreciate it. it. Uh, we will be having you back regularly to kind of talk about what's going on with the city of Denver Springs. Again, my name is McHugh David, publisher and editor of the news. Appreciate you guys checking in on this show. Please remember, uh, we did sit down with Mr. Tommy Foster on Wednesday to talk about his business. We sat down with Mr. Gary Frog Talbert and had two podcasts last week. That man can talk. And uh, next week, we'll be sitting down with Assessor Jeff Taylor, as well as Parish Councilman Tracy Gerlinghouse to talk about the master plan. So please tune into those. Remember, you can find the Livingston Parish News on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube once a week in print on Thursdays, and we are online, www.livingstonparishnews.com. You can find this podcast on all podcast devices and platforms where you enjoy your content. We hope you have a great day, and we'll see you next time.